Welcome to the WriterFest podcast, where we celebrate writers of book, song, and film. Those magical, mysterious minds who pen the books we read, the songs we sing along to, and the shows and films we binge. I'm your host, Amy McConnell, publishing veteran, book doctor, and author. On this episode of WriterFest podcast, we catch up with USA Today bestseller, Jenny Hale, about being praised by Oprah Magazine, Southern Living, Publishers Weekly, and how it feels to land at number one with her latest release. Since she writes what's commonly referred to as beach reads, it's funny that when we interviewed Jenny Hale, she was literally at the beach. We hope you enjoy the show. Good morning, Jenny. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh. We're so glad to have you, and it cracks me up that you are at the beach and had to call in for this. This is awesome. <laughs> yes, I'm on my one-week-a-year family vacation, so um, it just fell right at the right time, but we were able to do it because I can have my morning coffee and relax and, and chat with you for a little while. Are they, are they jealous of your time with us? They're asleep. Well, my oldest is asleep. My youngest just woke up and um, I think he and my husband are going to go for a morning bike ride while, while we chat. Jenny, that's so idyllic, right? Like, you know of what you write because that is exactly what our listeners are dreaming of actually right now. Like, I wish I was at the beach and my husband was going on a bike ride with our little one. That sounds awesome. So I just want to tell our audience, like, I, are, I already have the pleasure of knowing you, Jenny Hale, USA Today bestselling novelist. I'm so proud of all that you've done, and I'm so grateful that you've come on the show to talk with us this, this morning. So I'm glad, and I'm glad that you called in from the beach because I, I guess it's perfect. But I wanted our listeners to know, like, where, are you, where do you live? Where, where do you live? I actually live in the Nashville area, which is how you and I know each other and um, have only lived there for about four years. I originally um, lived in Virginia, in Southern Virginia, outside Richmond. What brought you to this area? Uh, My husband's job. He just got transferred. So we got here by accident and it's the most creative place I've ever lived. And my friends who read all my books can actually pinpoint the book that I wrote once I moved to Nashville because it was just such a different atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. It's been just amazing getting to know songwriters and getting involved in the creative atmosphere of Nashville and meeting people like you and going to wonderful functions like writer fest and all these great places where I can meet people and other creatives. It's just been massive for my career. Wow. So, and, and I, if I look at the timeline of your career, I kind of go, well, I kind of can see that. I mean, the last four years have been so um, beautiful for you, I think. And so, um, so let's, speaking of the last little bit, I'd like to hear a little bit about your most recent release, because I think that's been, I mean, I already know about it. I want our listeners to hear about it. It's called The Beach House and um, it's about an old Victorian home that was built on the beach that's uh, dilapidated. And um, this character, this heroine decides to buy it. And in the midst of restoring it, finds an old love story that was hidden for years and years with lots and lots of secrets. And slowly as she moves along, finds herself it's sort of wrapped up in her own love story. And so it's two love stories in one between different generations, 
all within this one house at the beach. I cannot even. Yes, I know. I'm reading it now and I love it. I love that concept. I think it's brilliant. I mean, it's just, um, it's like catnip. I mean, I'm just, I can't even imagine like how, how happy were you when you stumbled upon that idea? Cause it's just, it brings together all of our fantasies, I think, and also pulls at my heartstrings. It's, there's the nostalgia, but it's also contemporary. I just think it was, it's a brilliant idea. And evidently so do readers because it hit a pretty nice spot, didn't it? It did. It was the number three book on amazon.com. And so it was number one in all the romance genres for a while, romantic comedy, historical fiction, or historical romantic fiction. I can't remember, but it hit number one in all the subcategories because it was the number three best-selling book in the country, which was pretty exciting. That blows my mind. That's so cool. I love hearing that. That makes me so happy for you. Um, And I can say, I saw Jenny writing that because we were often sitting across from one another in restaurants, both of us on our laptops writing, just as happenstance sometimes. You guys, both of us, I guess I should let listeners know, both of us have households of children. And so we have to get away sometimes to write, right? That's the life. Yes. And that's the hardest to have the discipline when you're sitting at the table beside me and I'm trying to edit and you're trying to edit. And the two of us, I just want to scoot over and have coffee and chat. Same, absolutely same. And sometimes I want to eat what you're eating. And I'm like, hmm, would that be a bad idea for me to go? (laughs) So, yeah, so I'm just so proud of you. And I just, and I want to urge our listeners to go check out the Beach House as well as the Memory Keeper. Can you tell us a little bit about the Memory Keeper? The Memory Keeper was a unique book in that um, when COVID hit, I had already had this idea of starting a new imprint and um, a new publishing imprint, which I'm sure we'll go into in a little bit. And as COVID hit and everything came to a screeching halt, I jumped on that extra time and I wrote three books in a year instead of my usual two, because usually it takes me six months to write a book and edit it. So I wrote and edited two books at the same time. And one of those was The Memory Keeper. And then I published that with my new um, publishing imprint. But The Memory Keeper was one of my favorites to write. It's set right outside Nashville in a little town called Franklin, Tennessee. And it's about a girl who has moved away from home and lives in New York. And literally everything goes wrong. And then in the midst of this giant snowstorm, she has to make it back to Franklin to handle um, her grandmother's illness. And it's sort of all of the things that come along with coming back to your roots and coming back to who you are and figuring yourself out as a sort of new mixture of this new person you've become and who you were. And in the midst of all of that, of course, finding someone great that you can fall in love with. All the right notes, Jenny. I just love it. You're just such a great storyteller and you have such a great mind for knowing what, I guess, what the heart of readers want. You know, um, I feel like when I think of um, what, what elements would I want in a great getaway story for the beach read or for just escaping into when I fall into bed every night, you know, just kind of exhausted. What, what would be my fantasy read? You're, you're naming them all. It's like tick, tick, tick. You (laughs) You really know your ideal reader, don't you? 
Yeah, I mean, I think that I'm a slightly different breed of writer because I actually have fallen in love with the marketing side of it. So for me, it's less about my own storytelling and more about how to reach readers. And so as I craft a story, that's what's on my mind, more so than just this personal moment that I want to convey in writing. It's usually how do I reach the reader and how can I get this giant bang of a story when it comes out? And so I've sort of um, bridged my marketing, my love of marketing and my love of writing and, and put them together. So when I started as a writer, I didn't know this about myself. And I was just so taken with my editors and my publishers and my publisher and how how they uh, tweaked and changed things to make the story marketable. And so I could easily scrap 50,000 words and not think anything of it because I'd rather have words that sell my story than words that are something within me. So um, I'm a weird breed, but that's sort of how I ended up where I am now. Well, you ended up, I mean, boy, you, you're summing up a lot of books because you've written, how many books have you written, Jenny, at this point? Uh, I think I'm on 18 I'm writing now. Wow. I think it's 18. Wow. A lot of our listeners are thinking, that is a lot of books. And, and they're right. I mean, you've obviously, you've learned your skill and your craft by now. And so I guess you've set your sights kind of in a different, like you, you're figuring out what gives you energy and, and go into that. But you obviously have the skill. You obviously have the talent and you obviously have a deep well of creativity because your books are endlessly creative and evocative. And when I read about being in Leaper's Fork, you know, I'm there, I'm there and I see um, the environment. I, I feel and I, all my senses are alert and I'm just absolutely there. So I, I hear you saying you're a marketing kind of brain, but I actually think you are way more of an excellent writer than you think you are. So <laughs> I want to give you those props. I did want to ask you about those, those characters. Um, you know, you, you really, I think, understand your ideal reader and the characters I, I feel like are, um, are just so, like, I'm almost wanting to cast the movie part when I, when I, um, when I read you, uh, do you have like celebrities in your mind or how do you know what these people look like? Cause they definitely have a, a, a flavor that is very evocative. Like I already, I already feel like that, that was Justin Timberlake, you know, or, or <laughs> I mean, I kind of know who they are, but what, how, how does that work for you, your heroes and your heroines? Well, normally um, I create them out of the air. And so then it's very difficult for me to cast a person to fit that character, because to me, that character is its own person in my head. And so, and I've often explained that when I write a very weird thing happens in that it's almost like I'm watching a movie and I'm just typing what I see. Wow. And so about a thousand words everybody just stands still and I know I'm done for the day but I can't you know then I just say for, forget it but I can't always find a person and it'll take me hours to find someone online that looks like the person in my head but when I was writing the two books at once I was writing Christmas at Fireside Cabins and the Memory Keeper together and I needed to keep everything straight in my head. So at the beginning of both of those books, I went online and found random people 
they weren't stars at the time, but, or, or I don't know, maybe they were, I don't know, but they, I went to Google and just found people that sort of match those people and said, no matter what's in my head, those are the people because I have to be able to switch back and forth when I'm writing yes. and I needed to remember dark hair, dark eyes, blonde hair, stubble, who's who is a writer hack, right? I yes. Mean, Life hack. Well, I was, I guess that's a great lead into the fact that you actually had to have your novels cast because they've been, many of them have been made into, several of them have been made into Hallmark movies. Yeah. Yes. Coming up for Christmas was one and Christmas wishes and mistletoe kisses was another. So you need to start thinking about which celebrities you want to cast when you're writing your book so that they can already know them. Uh, so I, I might, I might actually have a list for you actually. Oh, that would be wonderful. I'll, I'll take that list. <laughs> yeah. I'll have a list of stars for you for sure. Actually, you know what? I was thinking that if it started with Christmas, right? Remember it started with Christmas. I yeah. And I thought, Brett Young should be like in, in that role because I just think, um, you know, the singer that sings in case you didn't know, like he would be so great. So when Hallmark makes that a movie or when, you know, Paramount makes that a movie, we'll get Brett Young to just, yes. <laughs> what do you He'd think? Be perfect. He'd what? be perfect. We love it. We love it. Okay. So let's see. So um, I wanted to ask you because a lot of people who are listening to this are all like me. They're, they're f- people who love writers, right? And they love books. They love lyrics. They love screenplays or they're, they're maybe writers themselves. And so they love to hear from us about the way writers interact with their teams, whether that be their management team, if they're a lyric writer, or if they're, if they're, you know, the teams that create movies and for you, like who is your team and what does that interaction look like for you? Uh, specifically, I was just thinking like at Book Couture when, when they helped you reach the book, the beach house, like you've been with them a long time, right? So what does that interaction uh, look like? I've been with Book Couture since the very beginning of my career. And so it's, the team has changed through the years, but really I spend a lot of time going back and forth with them. So with my editor, um, a lot of times at this stage in the game, we'll come up with um, ideas. She'll throw little ideas out at me um, and I'll come up with concepts based on those ideas or, or I'll throw an idea at her and see if it sticks, see what she likes. But we have a lot of discussions around my books and my stories and and my brand and packaging and all of those wonderful things. And as we've moved along and as I've grown in who I am and and figured out what it is that I love, I've always told them that I just want to have a seat at their table. I said, if I was at their staff meetings, I would be the most annoying person there. I would be early front (laughs) row hand raised before anyone said anything, because I would be so excited to be there. And, and the packaging and the branding and all of that is just my favorite part. So I fit with them very naturally, but where it gets tricky is at the end of the day, I'm their author. So when they're making those creative decisions and when they're making those branding decisions, I don't get to be around their table. And that's, that's the hardest part for me because I would, I would pull up the seat right with them and jump in and want to be part of all of it. And I love them all to death. They're wonderful, wonderful people.
Okay, so we're gonna take a quick break because I wanna tell you guys that today's podcast is sponsored by our friends at Redbird Social, providing digital marketing and social media management for writers, publishers, and personal brands. Go to redbirdsocial.com and click the button for your free consultation today. I did, and I'm glad I did. I guess it's, a, I mean, that's a long relationship to have had. So, I mean, I hear you say that the team members have sometimes changed, but um, just even to have that same relationship with the same publishing house is honestly a little bit rare as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I see authors moving around quite a bit typically, and you've, you've stuck with them. Um, it sounds yeah. like some loyalty there and some, some love. Yeah. I mean, it speaks to who they are as a publishing imprint and, and how they handle their authors. It's book couture, right? Book couture? Mm-hmm. And that's under yeah. a right? Correct. That's awesome. I love that you have that going on. And do you, and do you have an agent with them that who, who kind of intercedes? I know a lot of our authors who are listening, like wonder, okay, do I need to get an agent? Would that, would that help with that? I can give my um, specific journey, but um, I know it's different for everybody. When I was, when I first wrote my first, my first ever book, I was an elementary school teacher. I taught public school for 18 years and I was a district teacher of ESOL. I taught little bitty kids who didn't know English at the end of my career then. And I wrote this book and I didn't know what to do with it. And so I just started reading online. What do I do with this? And I had someone suggest the writer's market, which is a really great resource if anybody's interested. That's what I used. And they produce a new one every year. And so I read that cover to cover and I started to submit to both agents and publishers because I really didn't know um, who needed to have this, this novel of mine. And I ended up getting a lot of feedback for about two years. I kept getting feedback, good feedback that said, you know, we really like this. We don't know where to put it or we don't, we don't have room on our list for it. And so I just kept submitting about 10 open submissions at a time. If I got a a rejection, I would send it out again to someone else. And finally I ended up getting a publisher in the UK to pick it up. And it was by complete accident because I read a lot of British chiclet and British fiction. And I thought, well, maybe, I don't know. I don't, I'm not a trained writer. So maybe I'm writing in a way that could be better received in the UK. And so I found this publisher who um, was small and um, only had a, one book out at that time. And I thought, oh, if, if I am writing that way, that's the person who might give me some feedback. And I submitted to that publisher and that publisher was Book a Tour and it was at its infancy. I mean, just one person running the whole show. And so I stayed with Book a Tour. I got a contract through them unagented. So that's how I landed there. And, and also um, it's what sowed the seeds for my later career. You got that one-on-one attention. And now, I mean, mm-hmm. most people when they think, Hachette. Oh my gosh. It's a monolith. It's so huge. But you started with just one person. Boy, great timing, but also huge persistence on your part. I think that's such a model for us all to know that it's, it takes tenacity. It does. And, you know, I think there, I was always looking for 
I was a realist, you know, I was thinking I've watched American Idol enough to know there are people with dreams who clearly will not be realizing those dreams. <laughs> and maybe I think that my writing is good and maybe it isn't. And so I just have to take that in for just a minute to think that the writing world is a little bit like American Idol. So I'm just thinking, what would Katy Perry be wearing if she were on this podcast with us right now? I think she would definitely be encouraging you from the from the from the judge's bench. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it kind of is because you write this book that you put your heart and soul into, and then you give it to these people. And every single rejection is a judgment, you know, to the author. And you don't want it to be. And and later on, when I started my own imprint, which we'll talk about later, I feel that when I send a rejection letter, I know who's going to receive it. And I know that there's going to be someone on the other side going, dang, like maybe that's, maybe I did something wrong, you know, when maybe it isn't. So if I can, I try to give, especially now that I have more time, I try, I try to give more feedback to them. Like this is what I'm seeing, or this is what I feel might make this better, or this is why I can't take this book, you know. And you've had 18 responses to your under contract manuscripts. So, right, I'm just, I'm thinking not only are you um, skilled in writing, marketing, and all those things, you've also been the recipient of edits on over 18 books. And so, you know, what lands well on a writer's on a writer's sense of sensitive heart. And you also know what doesn't land as well on a writer's sensitive heart. And, and I know you take feedback very well, just because I know you and I know your heart, but I think that experience of having those 18 under contract edits is probably been, has probably been very helpful to you in, in, in going forward. Let, let's talk about that. Let's talk about your um, taking, taking, a seat at the other side of the desk, if you will, uh, in your new endeavor. I think that you hit the nail on the head with that, with receiving those edits, because what, what I've done is I wanted to be around the table with my publishers so badly that I decided to build my own publishing imprint, my romantic fiction imprint. It's called Harpeth Road Press. Harpeth is a river that flows through the Nashville area and it's windy and bendy and all over the place. And my kids ride down it in boats and it can be shallow and it can be deep and it can be rapid and it can be slow. And I thought that's very similar to the publishing process and the, the whole submission and rejections and judgments and, you know, all of that it's like a river. It's just, you never know what's going to happen with it. You never know the same way that out of nowhere, I got a contract offer from Book Tour when I'd spent two years submitting, you just expect that no, or this is why. And you're, you know, you're in that mode of changing things around because you know, okay, maybe I'll get a little feedback here, a little feedback there. And then poof, it's all over with it's done. And, and then you're in a whole new phase of the journey where you're getting edits back and you're learning from those edits and, and changing your craft and learning about what sells books versus, oh, I really liked this in my book because we have one in our family. You're, you start to say, oh, I had this in my family and maybe I can put it in a book. 
as long as I can tweak it this way so that it hits the reader <laughs> in this uh, way and the you know, majority of readers. Like I totally get your metaphor. I mean, originally I, I you know, I'd seen that you started this new imprint uh, and I recognized Harpeth because we, we live close to the Harpeth. <laughs> Everybody lives close to the Harpeth if you're in the national <laughs> area, honestly, but um, we also live close to it. And so I thought, oh, okay, it's a, it's a regional reference, but I hear you like that it's a really good metaphor for the creative process to think about a river. It's a great, it's a good metaphor for the specifically your creative process that you've gone through and, and, um, and it's ebbs and flows. But I think it's probably a metaphor that even, you know, our, our songwriting and our film, our screenwriting friends can relate to as well. So that's cool. So I love that, that metaphor and that imprint. And I, and I see where, um, where your road so far has led you to this moment. And so what does that look like for you to, to launch this new imprint? How did it, how did you launch it? Honestly, what's, what is the, what's the launch point? Well, I think the first thing I thought was I need to tell my publisher so they don't kill me because <laughs> I'm going to stay with them, but I'm going to write this. And I had no idea. I mean, I had no idea if my marketing strategies would fly. I knew that early on working under Bookator when it was, when it was brand new, the, the founder of that publishing imprint was the marketing controller at Harlequin UK, I believe. Like a marketing director? I think so. Yeah. And so and I could have this title wrong, but he knew marketing backwards and forwards. And so every time he would do something just without even thinking about it, I tucked it away. So, you know, if they did Facebook ads, I tucked Facebook ads away. I'm going to need that. If they did, you know, blog tours, I tucked that away. I'm going to need that. And the whole time I was thinking about all of these pieces, parts, and what makes that freight train run when you put a book out. And so I sat down with my publishing team and just, I mean, sat down virtually there in London, but um, <laughs> I explained to them what I was going to do and they all know it. I mean, I've been very open with my own love of what they do and, and how I can mix it with what I do. And I thought I have this idea for a publishing imprint that would take some of the things I learned under my early days at Book Tour and add in the spin on it that I myself am and I'm an author. And so I can relate to what the authors are going through and hopefully pull them through that marketing side and make them understand that like, you know, your editors aren't out to get you. They're not out to change your life, but they are out to make that story fit the largest market that it can fit to build you up so that your brand can take off and be amazing and fantastic. And that's sort of the flash that I like to say is publishing. I see publishing as the flash. To me, writing is the work that has to be done to then put it out there and build that brand and just make it pow. You know, every time a reader picks up a book, that's what I think in my head, pow. You know, I reach <laughs> someone else. So for me, the publishing is the fireworks. It's the, I can reach these people. And every time my books are translated into languages and I see, I just um, posted the other day that uh, the Bulgarian, the second in a series I did, second book, this is out in Bulgarian. And I'm thinking like, I'm reaching people in Bulgaria with my stories, but none of that would happen if it weren't for the marketing and the packaging and the tweaking of that story to make it fit people all over the world. And that's, wow. that's the part for me. And that's what's always in my head 
when I'm building a story or when I'm building an author's brand or when I'm trying to figure out how even something as simple as picking your audience for your Facebook marketing, I'm always thinking about how do I expand that reach and also reach people that would want that specific type of story. How do we do that? Jenny, you're such an anomaly. I mean, I I love it. I love listening to you talk about this. You get so, first of all, you get so lit up by it. Um, But (laughs) most, I mean, not most, I shouldn't generalize, but so many authors I talk to really just want to be alone and write their book. You know, that's (laughs) the the deep, deep desire of their heart. It's just, I really, really want to write the book and I want people to read it. But the in-between is not as interesting to me. And you're kind of the opposite. You're like, okay, I've got to let me, let me be alone so I can write my book so that I can get back out and, and make yes. connections and make it's, the book happen. Let me hurry up and write this book. Let me hurry up and write this book quietly by myself so that I can get with my team and be creative and, and talk. And that's what I've always said is I've, and I've always struggled with that as just an author in that I want, it's the extrovert in me. I want to be a part of the team. I want to know um, why their ads are doing what they're doing. And I want to know why my brand is being tweaked in this way. And so that's that's how I knew it was time. And I decided to uh, write The Memory Keeper so that I could have a book to put out. And also because I think I, it's coming back to the what idea. What a great idea. Like you came up with such a brilliant idea and it's so well executed, a wonderful book that's really resonating with people. I mean, the reviews are crazy online. I don't know if you've looked lately, but I mean, it's being so well reviewed. Everybody loves it. So you picked the right book to start an imprint with, sister. Awesome. Thank you. And again, that goes back to, uh, it was my perfectionism to say, okay, I've got to put the first book for Harpeth Road out. And also I need to put out a book that shows other authors, the kind of stories that we're doing that we're looking for. I need some, I need to see the level of excellence I'm, I'm reaching for, and I need to have a solid start. And I didn't know everything I did with that book was holding my breath because I had to test my marketing strategy do I really know how to do this? And, and how, how well will I be? How well will I do with it? And so I thought I'd much rather do try that on my own book than try it on someone else's book. Because if for any reason I needed to tweak my strategy, I would know it was only my own book that I was worried about at that time. Well, I'm just going to affirm you right here. I just took a moment to pull it up on Amazon. 1,000. 403 reviews and four and a half stars. Uh, that's your average. So I think we, it's safe to say you knocked that ball out of the park. I mean, and it's just out, like it's just out this year. Um, it just came out in February. So we, uh, I mean, you know, that's just a few months worth of worth of circulation and you're already killing it. So that's awesome. And so do you have any other books lined up for, for Harpeth Road? We do. I have taken on three authors so far. I have one brand new debut author and then one who is similar to me. She has some Hallmark movies. She has more Hallmark movies than I do and has written a few more books than I have. And then I have another one who um, has written about, I think, five books total with another publisher. You're so- actually more experienced than you were when you joined up with Book Tour sounds like. Yes. Yes. I have one debut author who is exactly the way I was. And I tell her all the time, I say, oh my gosh, you remind me so much of myself. 
and how I was and, and who I was when I started. So that's been fun too, to sort of, cause you can't, it's, you can't explain it all at once. You know, it's sort of a journey for her, just like it was for me. And so there's part of me that just wants to sit down and be like, okay, let's have a week together. And I'll tell you everything you need to know that I learned in seven years or eight years, you know, but it's, it's a journey that you sort of build and learn as you go. And I'm sure her journey will change and it won't be exactly like mine, but starting out, it's very similar to mine. Do y'all have a list? I mean, do you have a list uh, or a proposed release dates for those books or can we be watching for them or how can we, how can we keep up with what you're up to? The easiest way to keep up with what Harpeth Road is doing would be to follow us on our social media because I'm very, very to the minute. I'm to the minute with all of my updates on Harpeth Road. And also I'm very transparent with what we're doing and how I'm building that imprint because I think that's sort of the philosophy that I work under and that I'm transparent with my authors. I'm transparent with the public. I want them to know one, that if you're an author submitting to us, we've got your back and we're not going to let you fall. And also to the readers who are reading, I want them to see like, you can feel confident picking up one of our books because we're going to give it everything we've got every single book. And so my three authors are all in the midst. They're in various stages at the moment. I've got two who are still writing theirs and, and editing. And then actually all three are editing. Some are a little further along than others. And then I think our first book is set to come out around December or January of 2022. And then they'll come out just a little at a time after that. I have been asked how, many authors that I plan to take in the first year, because that's a big goal of publishers. But I will say that one of the things that makes us different from other publishers, and, and maybe it doesn't, but I think it probably does, is that for me, it's about getting it right and getting it well done over getting a certain number of people. So I'm going to write my two books a year and continue on as an author, like I always have, but the publishing side is going to happen organically. And it's going to happen when I get those really fantastic submissions that I say, I can't let this go. I can't not publish this. And so if I get, you know, 12 in a year, awesome. If I get four in a year, awesome. And then eventually it's sort of, if you build it, they will come. And if we keep putting out solid top notch writing, we'll get more solid top-notch writing and it'll build. And then Amy, it was you who actually got the whole Harpeth Road press ball rolling. Stop. What? Yes. No. Yes. So I don't, I'm sure you remember, but a while when I first had this idea, this very baby idea for an imprint, mm-hmm. I had you come over my house and we had coffee and we sat down at my kitchen table and I showed you this imprint that I was starting and your other going, house, right? Your first house when you first, my first house. Yes. Yeah. I moved okay. Yeah. I'm remembering this. Yes. And you sat down and I, I told you this baby idea I had, but I had a few things I was sort of holding back on. And you said, Jenny, you are a publisher. You have everything you need to make this happen. You need to just go do it. And that makes me so happy. You only have to have 80% 
of knowledge at this point. You don't need a hundred percent. And it was only because of that, that I went ahead and said, I'm going to go all in. I'm going to go all in with this. And I think I might've even gone back to my publisher or something and told them that I'm not sure, but I think at one point I said, I'm going to go all in with this. Um, but it was because given you and your background and, and your expertise to have you tell me that outside of my publishing imprint, you know, outside of the people in my circles to have you see my ideas and say, you can do this. I said, okay. And I never looked back. Oh my God. I jumped in both feet. I love that so much. Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, thank I'm, that makes me so happy because Gee, I'm glad to play a little tiny. I get to have a cameo in your story, but that's, I stole that 80% thing from, from, um, Cheryl Sandberg from lean in. Uh, I mean, I didn't steal it, you know, like after I'm giving a footnote here, but she talked about that and lean in women work in the will to lead. And that was very formative for me. Cause she talked about like how lots of, um, the, one of the things that holds women back in, in, um, in success is that we think we need to have 100% of the qualifications before we even apply for a job. And she said, well, that's not how, like, men don't think that way. <laughs> they think if they know half the things, they should apply and they'll get it. And uh, I mean, you know, that's obviously a generalization, but I was like, that's so true. When, you know, I know that of myself, that I, I feel like I need to be able to do 100% of the things and so that I can at least, like, start at something. And sometimes you just have to dive in, right? And, and, figure it out as you go that I feel like that's the way I wake up in the morning these days. It's like, I know about 50%. (laughs) So I'm going to go ahead and do it um, and just see how it goes. I am your biggest fan. Like, I just think this is going to be, and you know what, Uh, you know, you're, I'm going to go ahead and put it out there. You got to come to Writer Fest. You got to come to Writer Fest Nashville, November 19th and 20th at Lipscomb University. Can, Can I get a yes? Can I get a yes here in front of all of our listeners? Yes. 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 Awesome. Okay, good. Because that will be the place to be. And I think maybe we'll find some, um, some authors for Harpeth Road there. I mean, that's my hope. That would be awesome. Um, and, and if not, sister, I'm gonna close us out. If not, I'll probably see you when I'm writing at the cafe <laughs> down the street when you get back from the beach. And th- hey, Jenny, Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and making time there at the beach. I thought I would maybe hear the waves behind you, but you've been, you, somehow you've soundproofed that house. I think that's so- it's soundproof. That, that was in the direction soundproof <laughs> and I'm on my own as it is on vacation. It is raining though here at the beach. So there's this soft rain outside this morning, which is nice. I'm going to go make another cup of coffee and finish some editing before I go out and then maybe it'll all go away in an hour. I love it. That's like self-imposed. I mean, it's like a nature-imposed edit moment for you. (laughs) Nature is so kind (laughs) to us, to the readers, right? So thank you so much for being on, Jenny. We love you and we're wishing you well. Everybody, make sure to go out and check out The Beach House and The Memory Keeper by Jenny Hale, USA Today bestselling author. We're so grateful. All right. Have fun at the beach. Awesome. Thank you. And thank you for having me on. Our pleasure. You've been listening to the WriterFest podcast. For more information, see WriterFestNashville.com and follow us on our socials.